There's nothing that compares to the presence of the Lord. It is the sweetest, the greatest that we all desire and crave for. This morning, I want to speak on living a fruitful life. Living a fruitful life. I hope by now we all know this year's promise. Isaiah 27, 6. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and will fill all the world with fruit. This promise verse once again assures us that Christian life is a joyful life. Christian life is a victorious life. Christian life is a fruitful life. When you talk about fruitful life, I know to many of us that one verse that comes to our mind immediately is the fruit of the Spirit. Because we all know this by heart, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Quite often, our understanding of our fruitful life is limited to these verses. Let me put this other way. Apart from these two verses, what else comes to your mind when you think about fruitful life or when you think about Christian living? Any other verse or any other passage that comes to your mind? Living a fruitful life encompasses the whole of Christian living. It is not fragmented. It is not Sunday morning. It is 24-7, all through the week, all through the years, till we breathe our last. That is Christian uh, living. It has a wider meaning and implications for our living, then we, we have paid attention to this Christian living or fruitful life. Let me explain it a little more. Why did I say that living a fruitful life encompasses the whole of Christian living? Living a fruitful life means being light amongst people who are darkened in their understanding. Being sensitive to the people who are separated from God because of their ignorance. Being generous instead of being greedy. Having a renewed mind. The ability to discern and deal with our sinful desires. To lead a new life, a brand new life, 2021, a brand new life. Overcoming our anger, working hard, being productive. taking care of the environment. In other words, contributing to the care of the environment, taking care of those who are in need, speaking 
well-crafted and true words, a healthy conversation, building up others, getting rid of bitterness, rage, and slander, being kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, making the best use of our life, as well as making the best use of our time. Offering ourselves as a fragrant offering to that wonderful God who is gracious, who is compassionate, whose mercies are new every morning. Experiencing spiritual victories cultivating healthy relationships or nurturing healthy relationships with our spouses, children, colleagues, and our bosses. This is what's meant by fruitful life. This is what's meant by Christian living. You might be thinking, is it true or not? You and I have been called to live a life like this because such a fruitful life is promised to every believer in Christ. If I am a believer in Christ, this is the kind of life that has been promised to me. You can tell yourself, if I am a believer in Christ, this is the kind of life I'm supposed to live. Some of you are saying, Pastor, are you practical? Is it humanly possible? You're right. I agree with you. If we, if we are to live a life based on our human resources and on our strength, on my ability, it is, it is impossible. But this kind of fruitful life has been promised to each and every one in the scriptures. These are not my words. If you read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 onwards, if you take the entire pericope, that entire passage, it ends in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. I have taken from that passage. This is Christian living. And if you read, if you see in the NIV Bible, the title that is given is Instructions for Christian Living. And I have only taken it from the scripture. If scripture is true, this is true for me. If the scripture is not true, then it is not true for me. So I have taken this from the scriptures. So since I've taken it from the scriptures, I can assure you, I can live a life like this. This is a life that has been promised to me by God. And this is a life that has been promised to each and every one of us in this community because God promises nothing for which he does not provide the means to achieve. 
God promises nothing for which he does not provide the means to achieve. Maybe I'm not desires, desires of leading such a life. Maybe I'm not aware of the means. So that's what we are going to see this morning. So all that we, if I want to live such a glorious life, all I need to do is, because it has been promised in the scriptures, all I need to do is to discover the resources and means God has provided for us. The moment I discover the resources and means and I start using it, God has promised us a joyful God has promised us a victorious and God has promised us a fruitful life. The Apostle Paul, he lived such a joyful, victorious and fruitful life in the midst of his challenges, struggles and sufferings. Because he was a tender hearted pastor, wherever he established churches, it was his desire that the believers in Christ also live such a joyful, victorious, and fruitful life. Paul knew very well that Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is living a new life. It is not a philosophy. It is not a statement. It is living a new life. It is living a victorious life. It is living a joyful life. It is living a fruitful life. So Paul, who has experienced this in his life, he also mentions about God's resources and means. So Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus says, in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The Word of God promises that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be able to live a fruitful life. I said the entire passage from Ephesians chapter 4, 17 till 521 is one passage and the kind of promises that are there, it is based on this one particular verse, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the spirit. So the word of God promises us, if we are filled with the spirit, we will be able to live a fruitful life we'll be able to live a victorious life. Shall we all look to the Lord and pray? Spirit of God, open my minds and hearts so that I understand this, so that I'm able to receive your word, your means, so that this year, O oh Lord, I'll experience a brand new life, a victorious life, a new life, a joyful life, a fruitful life. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, we come before you this morning. Spirit of God, I pray. Speak to each one of us in this community. Speak to our little children. 
speak to our young people, speak to our families, speak to our elders in the church community. Oh God, open our minds, open our hearts to receive your word. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just, I'll try to unpack this one verse. It is so rich. You can have a series of sermons just based on this one verse, but I'll try to unpack as best as I could. May the Spirit of God help us to understand this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The first thing that we see in this verse, it is a command. It's a command like do not commit adultery. It's like command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, in, in, in the Greek, you read this as a straightforward imperative, meaning it's a command to those who are in Christ. And it is a command to those who are desirous of leading a victorious and fruitful life, the life that has been described from right from Ephesians chapter 4, 17 onwards. If you want such a life, this is the means. And here, the, the contrast is between drunken, you know, the, with wine, the person is drunk on wine, and in the other case, be filled with the spirit. There are two commands in this verse. One is a negative and one is a positive command. The first, the negative is do not get drunk on wine. In other words, never do so, never do so. That's what the first command is. This is a negative command, do not do this. Now, what is the positive command? Be filled with the spirit or always be filled with the Holy Spirit. The emphasis in this verse is on the word that we see is instead, instead. Paul is not so much telling them not to get drunk because he knows once you are in Christ, it is assumed that you are not a person who is going to lead such a sinful life. What Paul is urging them continually to live by the spirit. That's what the emphasis is on this. Paul's emphasis is be filled with the spirit. It's a command. It is a command. It's not an option. It is a command for each and every one of us in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, once you accept it as the command, then the second thing is, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What comes to your mind when you hear the command, be filled with the Spirit? I don't know how many of you are thinking about the Pentecostal experience described in Acts chapter two. But let me clarify at the outset itself that to be filled with the Spirit is not the same as being baptized with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is not the same as being baptized with the Spirit. 
filled with the spirit is not the same as speaking in tongues what we hear in what we see in this verse instead be filled with the spirit filled with the spirit is not the same as speaking in tongues baptism with the spirit is a distinct concrete special experience one cannot be baptized with the spirit without knowing it whereas being filled with the spirit is a continuous state a condition in which one should always be it is continuous uh, i i i wish i could give several biblical examples why be filled with the spirit is different from what we see in the other places but i don't have time but being filled with the holy spirit involves day by day moment by moment submission to the holy spirit's control it is day by day moment by moment submission to the holy spirit's control that's why uh, i said this passage is so rich uh, it it goes on from ephesians chapter 4:17 till ephesians chapter 5:21 5:21 is a verse we uh, we know submit to one another out of reverence for god and quite often in the wedding uh, services pastors begin with submit to one another out of reverence for god but that verse does not begin there i would rather go with the telugu bible where this both the verses are together 420 21 is together and they've done it rightly uh, in the tamil bible the verse doesn't end in 520 it ends in 521 in the english bible it begins submit to one another out of reverence for god it doesn't work but in the greek bible if you read the greek grammar and everything it all goes together because submit to one another out of reverence for god is only possible when we are filled with the spirit uh, i'm not getting into your wedding sermon uh, here be filled with the spirit the true translation of the verse if you want to uh, read if you can read it like this be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but go on being filled with the spirit be perpetually filled with the spirit let it go on let it continue let it be your constant condition there is no measure there is no measure go on go on the more you desire go on go on let that be your state that's what paul says being filled with the spirit is not an option for believers but it is a command it is not an option but it is a command we cannot live a fruitful life apart from being filled with the holy spirit let this be very clear we cannot live a fruitful life apart from being filled with the holy spirit the best way to understand the meaning of be filled with the spirit is to look at the life of our lord and savior jesus christ Luke four one says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see, Jesus submitted himself 
to the leading of the Holy Spirit because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, because he submitted himself, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was led by the Spirit to the, into the wilderness. The spiritual orientation of a believer is marked by their submission to God's word and God's spirit. Let me repeat this. The spiritual orientation of a believer is marked by their submission to God's word and God's spirit. A believer who continuously longs for the things of the world and the flesh needs to examine his heart carefully. So this is what's meant by be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean in actual practice? What does it mean in actual practice? At the outset, we should remind ourselves and we should be very clear that the Holy Spirit is a person. So many preachers, when they are talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, they talk as though Holy Spirit is some kind of liquid. They will say, uh, bring an empty vessel and we'll pour out the Spirit. Uh, that's entirely wrong because this kind of over, this kind of teachings, they overlook the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not describe a process of progressively receiving him in installments, in doses. It's not I receive little. It's not like that. Because Holy Spirit is not a liquid or substance. Why I'm telling all this? Because our ideas about being filled with the Spirit were entirely wrong because we have forgotten that he is a person. I'm aware of the Bible. Uh, I'm aware the Bible uses terms such as being filled, poured out. I'm aware. I'm aware of the passages, maybe Acts 2.23, Acts 10.45, Romans 5.5. 5. I'm aware of all these verses. In all these cases, the scriptures want to convey the idea of influence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible never says the Holy Spirit is a liquid or a substance. The scriptures just want to convey the idea of influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me give the, uh, this example. It is like the wind filling a sail, thereby carrying the ship along. It is that kind of influence. What carries that ship? It is the wind which fills the sail. In the same way, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be moved along in our Christian life by God himself. Once you are in Christ, the life that has been assured to you and me is God himself will carry us. He'll carry us on his, on his like on eagle's wings. That is that is the uh, that is the reality. 
God will carry us. That's what is meant by being filled with the Spirit. Every believer in Christ possesses the Holy Spirit in fullness. Let there be no doubt. Nobody is having more. Nobody is having less. Everybody is having the Holy Spirit in fullness. Every believer in Christ possesses the Holy Spirit in fullness. That's why the command has been given, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled, it's a command. Uh, let me explain this from the verse itself. I pray that we will try and struggle to understand this verse because then we will be able to lead a victorious, joyful and fruitful life. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. What do we say about a man who is drunk? I hope all of us have seen uh, a man who is drunk. We say he's under the influence of drink or wine, or liquor. What Paul is saying here is, do not be under the influence of wine. Instead, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And why did Paul uh, choose such an example? Do not get, on, get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The more you meditate on this verse, you understand the, such, the, the analogy itself is so rich. Now, um, do not get drunk on wine. Why do you use the word wine? Because people drink so that they feel they'll be stimulated. But I wish I can preach from pharmacology book where wine has been listed, alcohol has been listed as a depressant. Alcohol is not a stimulant at all. It is a depressant. What alcohol does is it just suppresses the higher faculties in the brain. That's why the man doesn't know what he speaks. In fact, man, while he's drunk, he'll be very generous. And the next day when he becomes sober, he will regret for it. So his higher faculties, it is suppressed. So liquor is basically a depressant. But the Holy Spirit is a stimulant. So Paul says, be filled with the Spirit like a drunkard, like an addict. You always crave for that drink to be under the influence of wine. Paul says, you should have that kind of craving to be under the influence of the Spirit because wine will depress you. Holy Spirit will stimulate you. That's the reason why he has used this example, this analogy. So one of the Greek dictionaries describes it like this. What wholly takes position of the mind is said to fill it. What wholly takes position of the mind is said to fill it. Anything that takes position of my mind is said to fill my mind. My mind can be filled with the person whom I love, it can be filled with my job, with my ministry. It can be filled about myself itself. We can fill our mind with ourselves. 
let me give you examples. Have you heard the expression, he's full of himself? Because he has filled his mind with himself. Uh, we all know what happens when somebody falls in love. What do you say? When he sleeps, when he dreams, when he wakes up, is all about that person. His mind is filled with that person. That is the first love. When in Revelation, when you read, Christ is telling that church, you have lost that first love that you had for me. That is the first love. When your mind is filled with love for Christ, that's what's meant by being filled with the spirit. We need to have this kind of craving like a drunkard has for the wine. From morning, he's looking for that influence, that wine. He wants to drink and be under that influence. That is what Paul is saying. Instead, be filled with the spirit. To be filled with the spirit means that the whole of our being, our personality, our mind, our heart, and our will, when it is controlled under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that means my mind is filled with the Holy Spirit. A man is under the influence of drink when his mind, heart, and will are under its influence. The man who is under the influence of wine can no longer control himself. Paul says, similarly, let the Holy Spirit control you. So Paul says, this is a state or a condition in which we are to live always permanently 24-7. We have to live like this. As a man decides, uh, but the problem is if a, a man has to decide whether he's going to drink or not, if he wants to be under the influence of wine, he has to decide. The choice is with him. Nobody will force him, go and drink. He has to make a choice. Similarly, we have a choice to be filled with the spirit or not. That's why I said, being filled with the spirit is different from being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I cannot choose to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The choice is not with me. I cannot say that tomorrow I'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is absolutely, it's rubbish because it is not, it is not with me. To be baptized, it is not at all, uh, I may desire, but I cannot decide when I'll be baptized. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is, the choice is with me, the power is with me, and I can be filled with the Spirit. That's why Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. God never gives us a command which we cannot keep up. So this is an imperative. This is a command. Be filled with the Spirit. The choice is with everyone. The power is with everyone to be filled with the Spirit or not, to fill our mind with the Spirit or not, to fill our hearts with the Spirit or not. The choice is with me. The choice is with you. So it is our choice that will decide 
whether we are going to be filled with the spirit or not. Let me explain this with another illustration and I, I hope it will become very clear. What do you see here? Just the picture of a, a glove. The Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit can be compared to a glove. Until a glove is filled by a hand, it is powerless and useless. You and I are like that gloves. It is designed to do work. It has got some utility, but it can do no work by itself. The gloves only work is to do the hands work. It does not ask the hand to give it an assignment and then try to complete that assignment without the hand. The glove cannot ask the hand, you please tell me what I'm supposed to do and say, okay, you don't worry, I'll take care of it. The glove cannot say that. The glove cannot say or brag about, you know what all I have done in the past? Because it can do nothing of itself. That is the Christian life. A Christian can accomplish no more without being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you say the glove cannot accomplish anything without being filled with the hand, Similarly, a Christian cannot accomplish anything without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you may be wondering why not people in the world, they do so many things. They accomplish so many things. Yes, it's true. Anything he manages to do in it by his own strength will be nothing but wood lay wood, hay, and straw that amounts to nothing and will eventually be burned up. Uh, that's a reference in 1 Corinthians. I'm not getting into that. We can do or achieve so many things in this world based on our strength, based on our ability, you know, depending on our treasures, depending on our talents, but they will not have any eternal value. It will end with our life in this world. We can accomplish great things in this world. I, I, I don't deny that, but its significance will end in this world itself. Functioning in the flesh produces nothing of spiritual value, nothing of eternal value. You and I are going to live forever and ever. And we are, we have been chosen to do things 
of eternal value. That's why Paul says, do not be drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In this world, there are several, one can write several books, one can deliver several speeches, one can build a big house, one can invent, one can do, one can do so many things in this world. But if it is without the Spirit, it has no spiritual value. But you and I, as God's children, Christ has redeemed us, has bought us with his precious blood so that we are of eternal value. We live forever and ever. Our life doesn't end here. So how do we apply this? How does this become possible? How can one be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's a command. So since it's a command, we have certain things to do if we desire to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to do. It's a command. Nobody else will do it for me. I have to do it for myself. The good news is the Holy Spirit is in every person who is a believer in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in every person. You want to read, go and read 1 Corinthians 6.19. You are the temple of the living God. Holy Spirit is in each one of us. Let us not doubt and let us not say, I have only little of Holy Spirit, more of Holy Spirit. He's a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is in us. He resides in us. It is this residence of the Holy Spirit in believers that makes possible a victorious and fruitful life. But the work of the Holy Spirit in us can be appropriated, can be realized only as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We can keep claiming all the promises in the Bible, but we cannot experience their fulfillment or realization until we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and control us. Promises have been given in the Bible so that we can appropriate it. We can realize it. We can experience it. And to do that, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, we have to do certain things to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I quickly mention only three things. The first thing is we must not grieve the Holy Spirit. We must not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. The person of the Holy Spirit is in us. We must not grieve him. So if we, if we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, we must confess our sins. We must surrender our will. We must surrender our intellect, our time, our body, our talent, our treasures and desires. It's a total surrender. That's why we saw in Luke chapter 4, 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into wilderness. 
Jesus surrendered himself completely so he was filled with the holy spirit if i am living a life of sin the holy spirit is grieved he has not left me he is grieved because he is grieved he will not control me he withholds himself he just withdraws therefore i must be very careful not to grieve him in any way we we always see this dove and we know it's holy spirit it's important to realize the holy spirit why the holy spirit is compared to a dove not to an eagle because a dove signifies gentleness and sensitivity dove is gentle and sensitive so holy spirit is very gentle and sensitive so when we sin we are sinning not because of the holy spirit's absence but in spite of the holy spirit's presence and it is that very fact that makes our sin even worse holy spirit does not leave us he is grieved he just withdraws he takes his hand off from our lives that's why we must not grieve the holy spirit we should be filled by the holy spirit we should be controlled by the holy spirit we should be led by the holy spirit so we must not grieve the holy spirit and rainy circumstances if we are to be filled with the holy spirit we must not grieve the holy spirit we must not quench the holy spirit the holy spirit is within us giving ideas producing thoughts making suggestions but remember they will be always in accordance with the word of god the spirit of god will not speak contrary to the word of god because the word of god itself has been inspired by the spirit of god so when people come and say the spirit of god said like this we need to test and examine whether it is in accordance with the word of god so when the spirit of god speaks to us sometimes our desires are so strong we take it as though the spirit of god is speaking to us but that's not the spirit of god speaking to us it is the desires in us they speak to us so we must be very careful and paul says in philippians chapter 2 12 to 13 therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you to will to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose we know salvation is by faith not by works and why does and it is paul who has told that repeatedly 
salvation is by faith and not by works, then why does Paul say, continue to work out your salvation? And then why does he say, for it is God who works in you? Paul is saying that having been saved, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So God continues to work with you in and through the Holy Spirit. So if you feel a sudden desire to read the Bible, that is the Holy Spirit working in us. If you feel the prompting, please go and pray. Pray for such, such a thing. It is the Holy Spirit prompting us. And when we are prompted like that, we should not say, okay, I'll do it. Let me first finish my work and then I'll do it. You will not hear the prompting again. He's gentle, he's sensitive. When that prompting comes, the way we obey those promptings, it is with little by little, the promptings will increase. So we should realize when the promptings are there, it is God, God. We should not take casually. We are so particular in fulfilling our desires or our work or the work we do in this world, we overlook God's promptings. It's very important. We fulfill God's promptings. By obeying, we show God, you are the most important person in my life. There's nothing which or who can take your place. The more we obey him, the more he will indicate his desires, the more he will prompt us. Every time I refuse to obey him, every time I reject him, every time I say, no, just wait a minute, I'm just on a, I just, I'll finish this work and then I will do it. The moment I say, I want to do this first, and then I'm saying that, I'm, I'm in the process of quenching the Holy Spirit. If I deliberately reject the Holy Spirit, if I deliberately do things that he tells me not to do, then I'm not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. It is I who's controlling the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to control my life. The reason being, we cannot be filled with wine and the Holy Spirit at the same time. We cannot have our desires also. We cannot have the worldly desires also and the Holy Spirit at the same time. It's not possible. There are several scriptural references, God and Belial. I don't want to get into that. Either we have God or the world. We cannot have both. When we compromise, then we experience little of the prompting. It's not that God is, uh, God shows favoritism to some people. No, not at all. It's not that God is more in, uh, more in some people and less in us. Not at all. Holy Spirit is a person. He's in all of us. It is the extent to which I yield myself to the control of the Holy Spirit. 
the more I yield myself, the more I obey the Holy Spirit, the more I desire the Holy Spirit. It's like the addict. If you have lived with an addict, the first thing he wants to do is to find the bottle to get a drink. He's an addict. His craving is for the drink. If I am like that, from the time I get up in the morning, I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. I want to be moved by the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want to do what he wants me to do. It's not, I am doing anything, it is he. I'm after all a glove. He is the hand. Whatever I do, the glory goes to the hand, not to the glove. So we cannot be filled with wine and the Holy Spirit at the same time. We cannot compromise. I want a little bit of this also, a little bit of that also. No, Holy Spirit will just withdraw himself because he is gentle and sensitive. He is not going to force his way. He is not going to force his way. The last thing is we should have a desire. We have to desire the Holy Spirit and thirst for the Holy Spirit and his fellowship and his communion. How often do we remember the benediction when the service and today also the service will end and there will be a benediction and I will be saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Why it is there at the end of the service? Why not in the beginning? It is just to remind us that we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. All through the week, you have come as a community, as a corporate, as a uh, community, we have worshiped God. And just to remind myself and everyone in the community, we have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We bless that this fellowship will increase. So we need to seek it. We need to desire it. If the Holy Spirit is within me, it is not that just I know your yeah, Holy Spirit is within me. No, that's not enough. It's okay. It's good that I realize that fact. But I must commune with him. That's why we say the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. I must have fellowship with him. During the past week, how often did you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? I must, because I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I must consult the Holy Spirit. How often did you consult the Holy Spirit? I must consider his presence. I must take into account his presence in my life. And I need to walk with him, walk with him. I must ask him to manifest himself more and more to me. Then the promptings, every promptings. That's why we say taste and see that the Lord is good. Every time he prompts me, it is sweet. It is good. It is beneficial. 
it is fruitful it is victorious every time god promises it is for our good for his glory that is how one is filled with the holy spirit do not be drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the holy spirit that is what we have received as the promise verse in days to come jacob will take root israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit none of us can say i am fruitless it is the only question of do i have the desire to live a fruitful life god has promised us god has blessed us it's a privilege it's a privilege only to you and me to lead such a fruitful life anything we do it has eternal significance because we allow god to work in and through our lives that is the kind of life that has been promised to us am i running after the desires of the world am i running after name and fame i have not understood I, I, that shows i have not understood the christian living i need to remind myself i am only a glove i cannot take credit for anything that god does in and through my life i want god to work more and more in and through my life be filled with the spirit may I request pastor sunny to lead us in a time of prayer